You are now listening to sermon audio from International Christian Church. To learn more and get connected, you can visit our website at iccva.org. I'm going to start this off with what Pastor Mike has talked to, said the last two weeks. Uh, I am completely inadequate to preach. Like, that's just straight up. Um, for, for two reasons. One, I think preaching is uh, it's a heavy task. There's a lot of responsibility. And so uh, I, I'm always scared to preach. Uh, if any preacher tells you they're not scared to preach, uh, I'd be wary of that preacher. Not really. Like, I love God's word. I love proclaiming God's word. But there is so much responsibility that comes with bringing God's word that it can be scary. And, um, but I'm here, and I'm ready. I'm excited. The second reason why I'm inadequate is literally what Pastor uh, Mike talked about last week in Ephesians chapter 3. It won't be displayed anywhere. Um, but chapter, chapter 3, verse 18. Um, Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge. Right? We're talking about God's love. We're talking about how big, how vast, how crazy big God's love is. And it's such a, a big concept and it's hard to grasp, grasp sometimes. We truly need the spirit to understand and grasp the spirit. Because there's different a- aspects of God's, uh, grasp God's love. Because there's different aspects of God's love that sometimes we forget or sometimes we don't want to talk about. Um, and so I, I'm going to start us off with just the, the verse for um, the month, I guess you would say, the like title verse that uh, Pastor Mike has for us, and that's Jeremiah 33, verse 3. And this is what it says. Uh, I'm reading the NIV, by the way, so if you want to follow along, you got an NIV, cool. If you're reading another version, I'm cool with that too. Just letting you know that I'm reading from the NIV if there's any word differentiations. This is what uh, Jeremiah 33.3 says in the NIV. It says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So that's where we're starting off. We're talking about God's love. We're talking about his everlasting love, his unfailing kindness right? But before we get there, I have a question for y'all, right? A question for y'all before we get there, and that is, what is the gospel? So if you're here and you're taking notes, you like to take notes, write it down, just jot down, what is the gospel, right? If you're online, type in the chat, what is the gospel? What is the gospel to you? Share what is the gospel. We talk about uh, all the time, share this stream because we're sharing the gospel, well, I'm not going to share the gospel today. I'm going to let you share the gospel today and type in the chat. Cool? That's not entirely true because I will share the gospel later. But right now, I want you all to share the gospel. Why do I ask you to share the gospel? Why, why do I want you to write down what is the gospel right now to start us off? Well, I think it's because it's very important. If we're talking about God's love, that's very integrated with what is the gospel. When we talk about the gospel, we're talking about God's love, right? It's so important for us to know what the gospel is because uh, when it is related to God's love because that God's love is integral. It's essential to God's story. 
I read this quote uh, from this book called uh, The Church as Movement, right? And I think it's just a great quote. It talks, it's about the gospel in some sense. It's just talking about, uh, yeah, I'll just read the quote because I won't do better trying to paraphrase it. I can just read it for you. Uh, this is what it says. It says, one of the chief ways to share our faith today is sharing the story of God revealed to us in scripture and how that story has shaped history, our community, and our personal story. Ultimately, conversion is not about mentally assenting to some mental truths. It's about trusting God and switching stories. Trusting God and switching stories. So what does it mean? We're not trying to share the gospel in a way that here are the facts, right? Once you understand these facts, you're a Christian. Once you understand these facts, you're converted to Christianity. It's not about that. It's about understanding God's story and trading your own personal story and what you think your life is about for the story that God has for us. Make sense? Tracking? But I think there's a there's an issue that we have here in America or just... Mostly I'm thinking about the American church or the Western church. One of the issues that we have when it comes to switching stories is sometimes we have the wrong story that we switch to, right? Or maybe not necessarily the wrong story, but we have an incomplete version of the story that we're believing on the day-to-day. What do I mean? I'll give you some examples. So I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about sharing the gospel, right? Here's just three examples of ways that we can share the gospel and talk about the gospel that if we only believe the gospel in this particular lens, it's incomplete. The first one is, Jesus can save you. This is a true statement. Jesus can save you. But if we're only thinking about the gospel through the lens of Jesus can save you, we're kind of missing a few points. One, one thing is, what is he saving you from? Right? It's very important for us to know what, we're, what we need to be saved from, right? Um, so that's just one example. Another example is actually comes from uh, the uh, missionary organization I work for, CREW. Right? We have this gospel track. It's called Knowing God Personally. Knowing God Personally. And one of the first things it says in the book is, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Right? The track goes on and continues to talk about things like sin and what you need to be saved from. So I, I would say that maybe one step above what the first point I said. But even just thinking about that first point, God has a wonderful plan for my life. Sometimes we only think about God has a wonderful plan for my life. And that's the only part of the gospel that we remember is that God has a wonderful plan for my life. Another one, this is the last one I share. And this, is, this one I actually like and I use often. There's a gospel, a way to share the gospel that uses four terms. It's talking about God, man, Christ, response. And it's, it's simple to remember. That's why I like using it. But it's talking about how God's a creator. God created man. Man has fallen in sin. And Jesus has come to save, right, those from their sin. And we have a response to give to him. Our response is to believe in him and have faith in him or not. We have that choice. We, we're, we're, we have a response to give to God. 
And I really like that one. But even if we only look through that lens, I think sometimes we can forget or we don't have a complete story of what is the gospel. See, this leads me to my first point and about God's love. And the, the, the point is, God's love ain't for you. God's love ain't for you. God's love is not for you. And now you, you may be wondering or maybe asking a question, John, are you really saying what you're saying? Are you really saying God's love ain't for me? Yes. Yes, I'm saying God's love is not for you, but God's love isn't for you just as much as God's love isn't for me, right? God's love is not for me. God's love is not for you. See, I think in our modern age and in our Western culture here in, in, in the States, we often assume individualism, as in we often read things in the scripture And we insert ourselves into it as the main character. That when we read the word you in the scripture, we're thinking, hey, John Lincoln. Or Chris might be reading and he might be like, me, Chris Tamita. Right? I think that that misses the point of the entirety of the Bible, but that's another point, right? (laughs) Before we get there, I just want us to see that this verse in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, when it talks about the everlasting uh, love of God, it's, it's not talking about us, right? When he says, drawn you, it's not talking about us. In this context, I have loved you with an everlasting love. It's not talking about me. It's not talking about you. It's talking about a specific people. And this is what, what I, uh, just two verses in, in the context of this. If we look at verse 1 and verse 14, we'll see a little bit of what I'm talking about. Verse 1 says, at that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they will be my people. Verse 14 says this, later on in chapter 31, it says, I will satisfy the priests with abundance, and my people will be filled with bounty. I think it's very clear if we just look at those verses here that God's everlasting love, when he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, He's not talking about you and me here in 2021. He's talking about his people, Israel. And I think it actually goes a little bit further than that. If we look at a few other verses in Jeremiah uh, 31, if we look at verses 2 and verse 7, verse 2 and verse 7 say this, verse 2. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword and favor in the wilderness and will come and give rest. And I will come and give rest to Israel. Verse 7 says this. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard 
and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. I think when we look at this, these two verses in this context, that not even everyone that is a part of Israel is included in this promise. It's those that survive. It's those that are the remnant, right? Y'all know what the word remnant means? If you don't, I'll give just a quick definition. Remnant is there was something big, a big object, a big group of people or something, and then... Some of them went away. They're not a part of the group anymore. And you have this leftover group of people or this leftover piece of a turkey sandwich or whatever you want to say. My wife often eats the remnant of my turkey sandwiches, taking that last bite. Now, I think we could talk about, I know Pastor Mike, when he was looking at this verse, we have, there's this callback to Exodus, but, and we'll talk about that in, a, in just a little bit, but for that, and when we look at this context here in Jeremiah, this is what's happening. God, through the prophet Jeremiah, is saying, you, Israel, you are about to be captured. You are about to be taken into Babylon. And I want you to be okay with that. Actually, more than that, I want you to be for the prosperity of that nation that's taking you into captivity. Oh, and by the way, I I didn't tell you how long it was going to be. It's going to be 70 years. It's not going to be three months. It's not going to be 2020. It's not going to be one year, right? No. No. 70 years. I think in this, this passage, right, this is Jeremiah talking about the future of what's going to happen. He said, you're going to get captured. And there's a lot, another quick background. There's a lot of prophets that were like, Jeremiah's crazy. Don't listen to him. What's actually going to happen is that's not going to happen. We're going to be jolly in our own land and we're not going to get captured. And those prophets were dealt with by God. They were called out as false prophets because the true word of God was that they were going to be captured. And God wanted them to live in that place and obey him in seeing the prosperity of Babylon. But some aren't going to make it. Some aren't going to make it through those 70 years. Some might just die from old age. Some might die for other reasons. Some might die in the process of being captured. Some are not going to make it. And so I just think from looking at just these few verses in this passage, we see that God's love is reserved for God's people. And that people is Israel. And even more so, that, that people is the people of Israel that are the remnant. The people that survive. So let's dig in a little bit more in this concept of God's love for his people. God's love for his people. Hopefully none of y'all have turned off your live stream already because I said God's love isn't for you. Because I know that that seems harsh. It feels harsh that God's love isn't for you, but it's for his people. It seems harsh. It seems out of place. But if it feels that way to you, I think we just need to read our Bibles more. 
Because if we look at scripture and we look from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, we actually see that it's a biblical norm that God's love is reserved for his people, that God chooses people. So here's, here's just four, four places that I want to uh, go to. There's, there's verses with it, so I want you all to um, write those down. I'm not going to read all of them. The first place that we see is that God chooses people, right? Humans, right? In Genesis 1, 27 through 20, uh, 31, we see that God chooses humans to, for two reasons. To bear his image in the world and rule over the creation that he has created. God chooses humans. There's a special love, there's a special thing that God chooses humans for. Right? If we move a little bit forward um, in Genesis, Genesis chapter 6 through chapter 9, the story of Noah, we see that God chooses Noah and his family out of everyone in the world to survive through the flood. Noah was chosen to receive this piece of God's love that he would survive through the flood, survive through the wrath that he was bringing to the earth because of unrighteousness and wickedness in the world. Move a little bit forward, then we get Abraham or Abram uh, before he gets the name Abraham. And he's chosen to be, to be blessed by God and to be a blessing to the rest of the world. Right? God chose Abraham. He has Abraham, his people, his person, right, to be blessed, to, to, to lavish his love on in that specific way of creating a nation through Abraham that would be a blessing to the world. And then we get a little bit further down the line of Abraham, we get to Israel. Right. Uh, I'll go ahead and read this one because I think this one's really important for our. I didn't uh, mark it, but as I was sitting in the pews, I was like, well, I should read this one specifically. Uh, so Exodus chapter nineteen. Um, this is this is where Israel becomes God's people. Right. This is this is the verse. Right. Exodus, Exodus nineteen verses four through six. This is what it says. You yourselves have seen what I did uh, to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be uh, for me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Moses was commanded by God to speak this to the Israelites. That the Israelites are the treasured possession. They are the ones that are, uh, that are the kingdom, right? The holy nation. It's Israel, right? And so this has happened. Uh, I think this is why it's, it says in, in Jeremiah chapter three, uh, chapter 31, verse 3, right? I think this is why it says, um, 
The Lord appeared to us in the past, talking about his everlasting love. I I think here God is trying to get across that. You are my people. You are the people that I chose to love, that I am loving, right? This is a reminder for God's people, the Israelites, that I am everlasting in my love towards you, my people. I think that's sweet. God has a chosen people and he loves them. But it's even sweeter because there's an awesome connection between this verse right here and a passage in Ephesians. A different passage than what Pastor Mike talked about last week. But there's an awesome connection in Ephesians. And we're, we're going to flip there now. It's a big section of scripture. Um, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to be reading verses uh, 12 through 22. Verse 12 through 22 of Ephesians chapter 2. All right, let me go ahead and read this for us. It says this. Uh, This is Paul talking to the Ephesians, a mostly Gentile um, or a Gentile congregation saying this. Remember that you... uh, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, He has uh, made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the the dividing wall of hostility. But setting aside in his flesh uh, the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners, and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. I don't know if you guys caught the connections through that reading, but if you didn't, it's okay, because I'm going to point them out for you right now. So if you're looking at verses 12 and 13, do you notice how we were separate. There was a separation between God's people and the Gentiles. 
There was a separation, right? But they were what? Brought near. Y'all remember what Jeremiah 3 said? Sorry, Jeremiah 31, 3. Do y'all remember what it says? It says this. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I don't know if y'all don't see that connection, but y'all need to see that connection. God's love is for his people. And he draws those who are not part of his people into his people so that they can receive his everlasting love. The second thing I want y'all to notice is that Christ is bringing two groups into one humanity. Right? This is verses um, 19 through 22. Sorry, 14 through 16. Right? Christ is not for the Gentiles and for God's people, Israel. God is for one people, one humanity. He takes two who are separate and destroys the dividing wall to bring them into to oneness, to make them one people. God wants to show his love towards his people, and he does that for those who are outside of his people by destroying the dividing wall by Christ's death on the cross so that there is one people, one humanity. The last thing is, just again, going back to to one people, one humanity. Those who were once far off that have been brought near are no longer strangers. We were once strangers to the promises of God. We were once strangers to the love of God. But now we can be citizens with God's people in Israel. Right? Our, our, God's love is not for us in that that. We are so special that we deserve God's love as an individual. Right? God God has a love for his people and shows his everlasting love for his people. And he loves his people so much that he makes, destroys barriers that keep people from becoming his people. God's desire for unity is so great. Uh, A quote from... um, This author, Mark Roberts, is really good at explaining this. (laughs) It says this, God cares enough about unity for Christ to sacrifice his life on the cross so as to break down enmity between Jews and Gentiles, thus creating a new humanity, right? We talked about that. Here's the real kicker, right? Christ's peacemaking is not incidental to the story of salvation, it is, is, it is an essential element. For us to find salvation in Christ, we are to be unified with God's people who he has promised to save, who he has promised to love with an everlasting love. Right? God's love for his people, and, and he is drawing himself Uh, Drawing them, his people, to himself by his love and kindness 
whether Jew or Gentile, through Christ. That's amazing. Are you like, really? That's amazing. I like, that's amazing. God loves his people so much that he'll destroy barriers to bring people to himself that would be part of his people, that would be citizens, that would be members of that household, members of the family of God, so that he would love them. Whether Jew or Gentile, whether an Israelite from the Old Testament or a a 21 citizen of America. But it's through Christ I think this gives us a more holistic gospel, right? When we think about gospels through the, through the, those lens that we were talking about, uh, I was sharing at the beginning, sometimes it, we make it too personal. We make the gospel too much about us, too much about me, the individual, John Lincoln, the individual in my relationship with Christ. But I think it's better for, for us to think about the gospel in, in this story that God has throughout scripture that God has a chosen people and he wants you to be a part of that chosen people, right? So let's talk about the gospel, right? Gospel. I think this is a good way to phrase it. Gospel. God's everlasting love for his people. That's gospel. God's everlasting love for his people, right? What, like God's great, unending, everlasting love is this, that he has chosen a people whom he plans to redeem and reconcile to himself. And it's through Christ that anyone who puts their faith in Christ and obey him are brought into the household of God because Christ has destroyed the division that once made it separate. I think this is, this, this is really the essence of, of John uh, 3.16, that God so loved the world that whoever believes in Christ, right, believes in him, shall not perish, right? I think that it's, that verse is so key, not because God has a love for the world in terms of God has the love for individuals in the world, but God loves the world so much that he would give them a way to be a part of his people. I think this should, should tr- like profoundly change our perspective on God's love. Because when God's love isn't specifically for me or isn't specifically for you, it lets it be open. It lets it be this vast, this how long, how wide, how tall, right, is God's love. It, it's not limited when it's not for me, the individual. But it's everlasting and it's ever growing. God's love for his people is ever growing because people every day have the opportunity to trust, believe and obey Christ and be a part of his people. Right. It's not limited to me as the individual in my relationship with God. And it's not limited to his people in terms of his people is so exclusive that nobody can come in, but rather it's exclusive, but also inclusive in that people can continue to join his, his people. I 
Uh, I'll end, end with this. Just two applications that I think we can take from this, right? Two applications. The first one is we should be in awe of God's love. We should be in awe of God's everlasting love. Because God is so faithful to what he says that he has chosen a people, but he's also so gracious that he has given us a way to be a part of his people. That is amazing. That is amazing. And if you don't think it is, I'm I'm telling you, that's so amazing. That God doesn't split himself, or or God is, is faithful to his word, but also gracious enough to let us in. That's amazing to me. And I hope it's amazing to you. And if you just take some time to reflect on how God has a love for his people and he's true to that word, but then he also brings us into the fold of his people. I think you'd probably be like me right now, (laughs) excited and, and in awe of it. The second application I have for us is We should be encouraged by God's everlasting love for his people. Be encouraged by his everlasting love for his people. And and this is what I mean by this, okay? Are, Are you or do you judge God's love only from what's happening in your life? Let me rephrase it. Do you judge God's love by the good that is in your life and only by the good that is in your life? I think this gets into a little bit of what Pastor Mike was briefly talking about last week about the suffering. How can God be loving if there's suffering going on in my life? I think that's, if we judge God's love by the goodness that is in our life only, it's very easy for us to ask that question. It's very easy for us to doubt God's love when our view of God's love is only by the goodness that's happening in our life. Like, you may be going through some serious depression. And it may mess with your idea of how loving God actually is. Or you may be with having a serious illness and be in the hospital for months. Or, or you may have lost a family member. Or maybe it's something as, as simple as like, I don't have enough money to have my own house. Right? That's a, a real one for me. My, my wife and I live with roommates for the first two and a half years of our marriage, right? That was tough, right? <laughs> I'm not going to lie if I didn't say I was envious or jealous of our friends who were, for, were getting houses. Um, or, man, here's a real one. And I know Sharon and Jack, y'all are going to feel me for real on this one as missionaries. As a missionary, we raise our own support to do the mission of God, right? How many times have I doubted God because my friends who went through the same training as me finished raising support in, in two months and I'm nine months in and I still am raising support. 
man, if we judge God's love only by what's happening in our life, it's hard to be encouraged by God's love for ever, God's everlasting love for his people. So what I mean by that and why I ask you that question is, can you be encouraged by God's love for his people in that you see somebody else in the family of God that God is blessing right now? And can you be encouraged by that? Even if you're going through a hard time yourself. I think, it's, I think knowing that God's love is not for me specifically, but it's for his people, makes this easier. It makes it so that I can be less jealous of what God, people are, uh, God's doing in other people's life and be more appreciative of what God's doing in, his, in, in other people's lives. Because I can see that God is good to them, and the same God that is good to them is also my God, and he'll be good to me. Maybe not in this moment. Maybe right now I'm going through a tough season and it's hard for me. But man, I see my other brothers and sisters thriving. And I'm encouraged to see what God is doing in other people's lives. Man, if we would only be more encouraged by what God is doing for his people and not just what God is doing in our lives. Not just the good things in our lives, but the good things in the life of the church, in the life of his people. Man, God is good. All right, let's, let me pray because God's love, uh, I, like I said, we're not, <laughs> we're not adequate to talk about God's love because it's so vast and so wide. But I hope that tonight it, we gave you, uh, or the, the, the word, just gave you a different perspective or a renewed perspective of God's love and how vast it is and how it's not just for you, but it's for his people and that you could be a part of his people when you trust and obey and have faith in Christ. And I pray that that is what you would do. If you're watching online or or you're here and, 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 and you don't follow Christ and you, you don't love Christ, you don't have faith in Christ, Man, may you put your faith in Christ and be a part of God's people. Man, I want that so bad for you. Because you can be encouraged every day by what God is doing. Um, Let me go ahead and close this out in prayer. And then uh, maybe we'll get some songs going. Um, Actually, the song that they're going to play is awesome in terms of God's love. that, uh, that, That many people are praising God. The whole creation is praising God. Man, anyways. Um, God, thank you so much for your everlasting love. God, thank you so so much that your love is is not just for me, John Lincoln, or anybody here listening online or or in the uh, in the seats here. God, thank you that your love is bigger than just what I think your love is. That bigger than than the goodness that's happening in my life but the goodness that you're doing in the whole body god and not even god not even here at just at ICC but in across the entire world god you are doing amazing things in Iran right now and how there's just an a gospel explosion that's encouraging god you are doing great things over here ministry might be tough for us here in the states right now but man you're doing a good thing in in Iran right now 
God, I pray that we'd be more encouraged by, by the vast love that you have throughout the whole body. And I pray that we would constantly, everlastingly, I don't even know if we can be everlasting, God. You're everlasting. But I pray that we would be able to be in awe of your love every day. That we wouldn't just see the good things that you're doing in us and maybe the days that we don't see any good things, we're like, oh, where's God at? But no, God, we would see that your love is still love, that you are still faithful and that that us as your people, that we can be encouraged, God, that we can rejoice with those who are rejoicing in your body. And God, I pray, this is a whole nother message, God, but we pray that those who are rejoicing, that we rejoice with when we're mourning, that they would also mourn with us when we're mourning. God, you are good and your love is everlasting and that you, through Christ, draw us non-Israelites, to be a part of that love through Christ, that Christ has divided or destroyed the division between us so that we can be your people and partake in this everlasting love that you have for your people. God, we thank you for that opportunity, and we thank you for the true uh, God that you are, the faithful God that you are, and the loving God that you are. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the ICC podcast. We're looking forward to more ways we can offer resources to help equip you to apply God's word onto your life. We want you to always know that God is present, God is for us, and that we are here for you. So if you have a need or a prayer request, please reach out to us at prayers at iccva.org. And again, for more info and to get connected, you can visit iccva.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram.